This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'm going to be talking today again along the lines of what the Lord gave me 21 years ago. And I want to say this, you know, I hope that your spirits are left to know that nothing takes God by surprise. You know, when the Lord talked to me back in the year 2000 for all those months there, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, he said, surely he'll do nothing except he first reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And so, for myself, I know that I'm not a super special guy, super spiritual guy, or anything else. I'm a born-again Christian with the call of God on my life to be a pastor and to be a Bible teacher. And 21 years ago, God told me things to help the body of Christ with today, 21 years later. As we're worshiping God there, I'm just thinking so many things I can say. By the way, that book's available in the bookstore and also online. They've got things set up. You can get it online if you want to send it to some of your friends or relatives that live somewhere else. But uh, I'm thinking. And, you know, it's really hard to separate politics from our everyday life now. I was thinking about the Civil War. How many have ever heard anything about the Civil War back in the mid-1900s? Brothers were fighting brothers. Children were fighting parents. It was all over political beliefs. And, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Satan has the same old tactics he's always used called divide and conquer. It's a terrible thing when we get to that place again where we experienced Back in the in the early mid 1800s, I should say, back back in those days there, when President Lincoln got assassinated over politics and all those people fighting each other, the North against the South, the division, and because I know spiritual laws, and most of you do too, we recognize this is not a Democrat Republican thing, it's not a liberal conservative thing. Satan, back in eternity past, was called Lucifer. And in heaven, he said, I'm going to divide heaven. He said, I'm going to exalt my throne above God's because I'm smarter than God. And so then God said to Lucifer, this is all in the Bible, he said, well, you think you're such a hot shot, you and all you other angels that want to follow Lucifer, say, come over here. And he kicked him out of heaven. And Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, behold, I saw Satan fall. Revelation chapter 11 that tells details, says that Satan and a third of the angels came with him. They're called fallen angels and now demon spirits. They always wanted to get it over on God. And so then, as Pastor Dave getting ready to talk about providence from the, you know, what he's going to teach other, I can't wait to watch that, that uh, about Israel, about a lot of things going on, that Jesus was born as a Jew. None of this is in notes. I didn't plan on saying any of this. He was born out as a Jew. God's uh, first covenant was with the Jewish people. And then Jesus said, I'm going to come back to Israel. God said, that's the apple of my eye. Well, that's why Satan wants to destroy Israel. I was at a conference years and years and years ago. A lady that was very, very knowledgeable, lived in Israel a long time. And she put up a map of the Middle East. It's big. Had one little tiny dot you couldn't even see on the map. And she said, I have all this land over here. That everybody can live on, all he wants the dot. That was Israel. What the dot, because God said, that's mine. 
And so I recognize the warfare going on. It's in America. It's all over Jesus and Christians and what Christians believe. And Jesus told us in the Gospels in the end times, there's two people groups that are going to be hated of everybody in the world, Jews and Christians. And so I'm not offended at any politicians. They're pawns in a warfare going on. I know I'm going to keep my eye on the ball. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, on the Word of God. And because I'm called of God to be a Bible teacher, I'm going to teach people the truth. And I pray to God that people that listen to what people like me are teaching from the Bible will get out of getting messed up with stupid politics. Amen. Be educated. Know who you're voting for. Praise God we get to vote. And, you know, I keep thinking of a story that a man in this church told me about his life that really I, th- I think we need to take, take a hold of. I, when I first came to California, there's a, there's a man, older man, went to our church here. And we got to where every so often my wife and I would go to Del Taco with him. And we was sitting down eating and he started telling me his life story. He used to be a Nazi. His dad was a Nazi. In the, in the army in Germany, his dad got killed by us in the bombing of Germany, killed his dad. And so I'd never met a Nazi before. This guy was a young man, but he's a Nazi. And I never, I never understood it, but maybe this will help you. I said, how could you ever do something like that? He said, I didn't have any choice. He said, like in America, we got Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians. He said, all the Nazis were, was a political party. And said, as young kids, they gained so much power that all of us kids, I think it was 12 years old, all the boys 12 years old had to go to Nazi military schools as young guys. And so he said, that's why I was, because it was the law of the land that I had to be a Nazi. And then he said, I think he was only like 14 or 15 years old when all the war was starting on and going big. He said, I got on a ship to where to go to? To England somewhere. He's able to get on a ship as a worker on a ship. And he got out of Germany that way. And so I'm saying if these political parties and things like that, there's a warfare going on. And it's more than gas prices. It's more than COVID restrictions. It's a war. It's a civil war going on right now in America. For your children. For my children. For my grandchildren. And like everything's ever happened, when Lucifer got kicked down to the earth, the first place he went was the Garden of Eden. God said, that's my garden. Adam, take care of my garden. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And so he got in the garden. And he got Adam and Eve to do the wrong things. And then God said, okay, I kicked you out of heaven. I'm going to kick you out of the garden too. He kicked him out of the garden. And then Jesus... God prophesied there's one coming, going to be the seed of a woman, said he's going to bruise his heel on your head. And in, in that oriental language, they said that that meant he, to break the lordship of a ruler. So Jesus came back all those thousand years later. He broke the power of the devil. The New Testament, New Testament teaches that over and over again. The power of Satan has been broken over mankind then the Bible teaches different time periods. Right now, we're at the end, when Jesus kept talking about in the last days, the end times, we're at the end of the church age where this is going to end. And when that happens, there's going to be seven years of tribulation. And then, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to come a point in time 
when the book of Revelation says God's going to move heaven back down to earth. And the throne's going to be in Jerusalem, he says. And so I don't care what's going on in Jerusalem right now. I mean, I do care. But I know it's not going to stay that way because I believe the Bible. And when God says heavenly Jerusalem, the book of Revelation calls it heavenly Jerusalem. It says heavenly Jerusalem's coming down. And it says the King of kings, the Lord of lords will rule from heavenly Jerusalem. And so that's why, that's why there's so much going on in the world today. And so we can keep abreast with the news. But more than, more than that, read your Bible. Listen to people that have the fruit of real Bible teachers that teach the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And I've always said this. Matter of fact, the Lord gave this to me back in the year 2000 when he told me these other things about what I'm going to be teaching today. He said, faith doesn't deny things, faith changes things. And so I know just like I went through a cancer battle, heart of stuff, three years ago. I didn't deny there was bad things trying to kill me, but I used my faith to say, no, you can't do it. And so, with all the things going on today, you can use your faith to choose what kind of life your family's going to have, what your future's going to be. And, you know, I'll just say one more thing, too, that is so very real to me. How many know that Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 13, is the same yesterday and today and forever? Well, when the children of Israel were going through the things they were going through, through the wilderness, in the daytime, God gave them a cloud to keep them cool. He's not out of clouds. He's still got the cloud business. And at nighttime, he gave them a pillar of fire, supernatural fire, to keep them warm at nighttime. God still got fire. And then, when they had bad water, poison water, I lived in a poison water city one time called Hinkley. I know what poison water is. And so then God told them, throw this branch in the water. That's Exodus 15. He said it made the bitter water sweet. God neutralized the poison, made the water good to drink. And then when they ran out of water, he told Moses, hit the rock. Speak to the rock. And he got water out of a rock. And so what I'm telling you is this. With all the things going on, and people tell you you can't have this, can't have that, Try to shut off your money supply. Look to the one that's got it all. You can get you can get everything it takes to live a prosperous life straight from heaven, but this is not for the phonies. You can't be you can't be an undercover agent for the devil that goes to church and get the blessing of God. Amen, amen, amen. So, uh, so we're talking about what always precedes. A major move of God. So in the fall of that uh, 2000, Jesus asked me this question. This isn't just the title of a message. I want to say this to you, too. I I know you're serious, and I know you're really listening. Uh, This is something that's not just taught. It's got to be caught. You've got to, with your heart, listen. Jesus said, he has an ear to hear. Let him hear. I want to say it one more time. This is not... Times as usual in a country that this is going to come to pass if we just think, oh, we just waited out, it's going to come to pass. No, it's demonic. And there's people that are deceived, that are in authority, that are enforcing wrong things. And if we as Christians don't get a hold of what we need to get a hold of in our own lives, then we'll get sucked under with it. But there's things that I'm going to talk about today 
that we can change the nation, not just this church, but Christians can. We can change the nation. And I was thinking again while I was in that front row there. I went to Sunday school back in the 1950s. Back in the 1960s. Church was different back then. The society was different. We come to church and all the ladies came in with their pretty dresses. The guys come in looking nice and everything like that. I'm not talking about clothing. I'm just talking about the picture I get in my mind. It was a different world. Even sinners back then lived better than a lot of Christians do today. Sinners were moral people, a lot of them, back then, because our society, our society had a respect for God. Our society had a respect for, for, for Jesus, for church people. I remember my dad, I'll never, I'll never forget one time my dad went around the corner to the gas station to get an oil change on a Sunday. They got there and dad said, oh, I forgot it's Sunday, the gas stations are closed. They don't do oil changes. You get gas, I guess, but they don't do oil changes. And a lot of the stores and restaurants were closed because America at that point in time honored God in that day because they know that Christians go to church on Sunday. Christians choose Sunday to be a family day. That's what Christians do. Do you think God liked that? Do you think he'd like it again today? I'd like it again today. I'd like to be able to say, well, while this is Sunday, I can't go by that because they're closed because they're honoring God. Amen. And so I'm thinking about those days there and thinking about the things the Lord talked to me about. And he gave me three keys to a major move of God. He asked me that question over a period of several weeks. He talked to me. This wasn't just sitting down one day and God said, okay, get a pencil. I'll start writing. I'm talking about months. The things that are in that book there, Mrs. Pastor asked the other day, I said, where's those journals at? She's got them stored up for me. I haven't looked at it for years. I thought, man, I want to start looking at some of those details again, a lot of what he said. Because this book that Mrs. Pastor put together, the things out of my journals, is things that the Lord's given her, is just probably 10% of things he said. But this is, this is just some of the main points. So he gave me three keys for his people to hook up with, for his people to hook up with, prepare things in the spiritual realm for him to do what he always wants to do, Deliver his people from slavery and bondage so they can enjoy John 10.10 in the Amplified. What I said on the screen, I'll read it to you. John 10.10 in the Amplified. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the will of God, the will of God is he wants us to have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the fold till it overflows. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. We've been stolen from. It wasn't politicians that stole it. I'm not mad at one single solitary politician. I don't like a whole lot of what they do. I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. And I'm going to recognize something that, you know, we've all got to know. Everybody wants to blame a congressman, a senator, all these other people. There's not one person would be an authority in America today if people didn't vote for him. Whether it's good politicians or bad politicians, you can't blame them. It's people. And you know what? We're still a Christian nation, whether we act like it or not. And there's too many Christians vote for people that are against everything the Bible teaches. 
And so what's the answer to that? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We teach the Bible what the Bible has to say, and we change the hearts and the souls of human beings, especially Christians, where they desire to do things different. Then we'll change the nation because we'll change who's in authority because Christians are going to start saying, wow, I want to move a God. I want to move a God. I, I, I want to walk with Jesus. I want things to change. Amen. And so, and so, uh, God always has wanted to deliver his people. And Christians, a lot of them are just as oppressed and addicted and messed up in life and fearful as the world around them right now. But Jesus said he wants us to have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the fold till it overflows. And so I want, I want to say this again. The Lord gave me this while I was sitting there worshiping, while I stand there worshiping men to go. This is not just a nice Sunday school teaching I'm doing this morning and the things I'll be talking about. This is the Spirit of God through the Word of God preparing His people what to do so God can take back America again. Jesus is the head of the church, right? We're parts of the body of the church. The head gives signals and the body moves. You know, my brain's in my head, my spirit's in here. But for me to do things I'm doing right now, my bread has to, my, my, my brain has to tell my arms to move. Tell my mouth when to open. Tell me who to look at. Tell me what to do. And then I follow through. Jesus, as the head, speaks to the body that the body's supposed to move. And so I want, I'm one of his officers in his army. So he speaks to me and gives me instructions what to do. And then I give instructions to the people that he's assigned to me. And then if they do what he tells us to do, and then across the land, if pastors hear from the head and tell the people God's given them to do what they're supposed to do, there's no way that Satan can continue doing what he's been doing if we do what we're supposed to do. Jesus is so great, he went down to hell for three days when he died. And then he said in Revelation chapter 1, I have the keys of hell and of death. Keys represent authority. And then he told us in Matthew 28, said, All authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore. He said, You cast out devils. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You do this because you've got the authority. Let's do it, guys. Let's get this thing moving. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so Jesus led me through the Bible back in those days. And he taught me. At great, in great detail, three Bible principles. Three Bible principles that open the door for major revival. I'll wait till I see the screen flip because I want to make sure you see what I'm saying while I'm saying it. Three Bible principles. Three Bible principles that open the door for major revival. Now listen to this. I'm talking about a move of God that's cover to cover in the Bible. Number one thing. In God's plan and God's purpose for revival, for a major move, he told me this, and he said it to me, and you know, I don't, I don't know how well you've learned the voice of God or experienced things, but he said to me, this to me is very strong, authoritarian voice that shook my insides. He said, he always calls his people to position of prayer first, and then he said, always. He said, if he's gonna move, in a land, he said, the number one thing he does, he calls his people. 
didn't say the world. He said he calls his people. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know it and they follow it. And so we're talking about, we're going to be talking about prayer today. It's the primary thing I'm going to talk about. We're talking about some, some different kind of praying that on the way to your, your job or whatever you do in the morning time, you're so busy with life, you mumble three or four little confessions you've got that the church will give you a piece of paper on or somebody else. Say, oh, I thank you, Lord, my day's blessed now. That's not it. He's talking about some different kind of prayer. We're going to talk about that. And, you know, I want to say this again. What I'm talking about, you're going to have to catch. It's not just a Bible lesson. It's not one of those things you'll take down notes because it's your habit. I take down notes every service I go to, whether it's Dr. Barclay here or someone else. I always take notes because it's a good thing to do. I'm talking about not only taking notes, but something getting in you where you let it, and then you start responding to it. Because you've got to catch this. And to me, it's a no-brainer. America is sick. America is beyond sick. America will cease to exist at some point in time if Christians don't get on the ball. It's a spiritual warfare. You know, you think about, you've always heard of the great Roman Empire. What happened to it? It's gone. They didn't keep it. You think about so many different civilizations and nations that used to be great. They're gone. I've been to Nicaragua, been to Peru, been to Mexico, been to a few countries down south there. And when I see their history, they weren't always poor like they are now. They used to have a whole lot more Jesus and people down there that believed in spiritual things about Jesus, and they lost it. They let people that are anti-God people come in. Communists, socialists, people that say we can have every religion of these nations except Christians. Said you can study all the different things in your schools except Christianity. You can't study that. Does that sound familiar? Wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. We can't keep our head in the sand any longer. We're going to have to do what the Bible says to do as Christians. We want to keep it. And, you know, I was thinking again, as we was worshiping God a minute ago, I started seeing things that all of a sudden things start coming together. Uh, some of you can remember some of the things in the past that you've heard about probably. Some of you were here then. How many remember the 1940s, 1950s when we had the healing wave across America? Earl Roberts and a lot of people like that. Well, back in those days, tuberculosis, tuberculosis and polio were plagues. I remember when I was growing up, it was real serious. People were dying of tuberculosis. A lot of kids were crippled from polio. It was eaten up the United States, and the healing wave came. That was a move of God. People cried out for God in America, and people started setting up healing tents. People come by the tens of thousands, and God healed of those things. But what happens in the spiritual Leads over into the natural. Then Jonas Salk. I remember when he came on the scene. He invented the Salk vaccine. I remember when me and my family got the Salk vaccine to protect us from polio. And then people started getting cures and things for tuberculosis because people cried out. God said spiritual leaders and things happened. And then the natural things happened. This because people cried out and they prayed. As there have been several. That was a major move of God. There's been several major moves of God over the course of time. Pastor David, Tony Cook can teach you about those because they study them a whole lot more than I do. But I'm telling you, God can do it. But he needs us. we got to cooperate. And so then he said the number two thing, the number two thing is leadership. Leadership. God always raises up and sends spiritual leaders in answer to prayers. You've got to know this. If you're praying... 
God's going to raise up people, going to tell, they're going to be answered to your prayer, and they're going to tell you what to do. As you read, as you, as you read the judges of the Bible, I think about the different moves in there, and because of time, I can't just keep on going too long about this, talk about it more in the future, but you think about this. How many know that Israel was slavery and bondage in Egypt? If you study that out, it says the people of Israel cried out to God, and then God said, Moses, I hear their cries. Moses, go tell them what I'm telling you to do. And Moses said, I can't talk too good, but brother can. But you don't think about it. His brother never said anything. Moses did all the talking anyway. Because when the leader steps up, God anoints him. And things change. And so Moses showed up then as the leader. And then Moses heard from God what to do to get them out. And then you get to the judges. You get you get to Gideon. At Gideon, the people of God cried out because the Midianites had them in bodies stealing from them and hurting them. And then God said, Gideon, you mighty man of God. And Gideon said, who, me? And God said, yeah, Gideon, I'm calling you. And so then Gideon rose up by God to tell the people what to do. And then Gideon let him out. And then I think about, I think about the book of Acts. If you know the history of the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, the first believers, about 120 of them, what were they doing? Praying. And then what happened? God had the 12 apostles. And then what happened? The Holy Ghost came down, and that was a major move again. And we're still in that move. It's always prayer, leadership, and unity all through the Bible. So unity is the third principle. And in unity is this. Now get a hold of this. All, th- all three of these, to me, are equally as important. But it's the prayer first, and then the leaders, and then the unity. God's people quit fighting each other. And get behind and follow the leaders that he sends and answer to their prayers. Quit fighting. Quit fighting. Christians have got to quit fighting. You know, I think about 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. He didn't say, fight your fellow believers that are out of your political party. He didn't say, fight the ones that don't speak in tongues. He didn't say, fight the ones that speak in tongues. He said, fight the good fight of faith. And so, when you study all these moves of God in the Bible, the people started off with, when Moses come forth to lead, they followed Moses. They were in unity. And the ones that weren't in unity with the man of God, what he was telling God had them to do, the earth swallowed them up. That's pretty big. Then you see the same thing with Gideon and the book of Acts. You all you see over and over again, they were one heart, one court, one accord, one mind, one soul, had all things common, and they changed the known world back then by a move of God that's still going today. Amen. And so these things I'm talking about, get a hold of it. Unity, unity, unity. That's such a big thing in the kingdom of God. You know, I just know over the years, me, with Christians, other preachers that have wanted to argue doctrine with me or about other things. If I happen to be in a minister's function where we're all eating together, somebody wants to start fighting about some kind of doctrinal thing, do I say, pass the salt, please? What do you think about this? I say, well, I know this. Jesus loves me. He died for me. Well, does your church believe in this? 
I say, well, you know what? Jesus is good. His mercy endures forever. You know why I do that? Because James 3.16 says where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. I choose to walk in unity. If somebody else doesn't want to, that's between them and God. As for me and my house, we're going to love. We're going to be faithful. We're not going to get sidetracked and distracted and start fighting about politics. Start fighting about whatever's going on or whose fault it is. As far as I'm concerned, it's always the devil's fault as some innocent pawn, whether it's a politician, whether it's a president, whether it's a judge, whether it's whoever it is, that they yielded to the wrong spirit. And because they did, I might have to suffer for a while through the, through the, the uh, results of decisions they've made, things they've done. But I'll tell you one thing, I'll go through the fire of going with Jesus. Me and Jesus will come out on top because I always triumph in Christ. Amen? And so that's the thing. We've got to know how this whole thing works. And, and, and as we look at these things, I want you to catch a hold of this. And so we've got to follow the leadership that God raises up. How can you know if it's a godly leader? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if, if, if you've got people teaching you the Bible, telling you what to do, do they have the fruit of Jesus? Are they haters? Are they God lovers? Do they cause strife and division? Or do they promote unity? Do they get you depressed? Or do they lift you up? And I'll tell you what, for what I said right there, you got to understand, if you're in a church service and you're doing wrong things, you don't know what to do, and somebody preaches the truth, that's not depression you get hit. That's conviction in your heart. Like, oh, man, you mean I can't sleep with her anymore? Well, just put a wedding ring on her finger, then you can. Amen. Amen. And oh, you mean I can't spend all my money at Las Vegas? Well, give God 10% first and do whatever you want to with the rest of it. I guarantee you one thing, you start giving him 10%, you won't be, won't be giving to Vegas anymore. Amen. The whole thing is, when you got a preacher teaching the Word of God, and let me tell you something, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation will get you depressed. What condemnation is, that somebody pointing their finger at you all the time said, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And on the inside you're thinking, Yeah, I know I shalt not. But what shall I do so I shall not do it anymore? Conviction points out what you're doing wrong, then shows you what you do to get out of it and do right. Amen. Like right now. I just in a, in a, in a kind of a, wasn't planning on it, kind of a off, off, off the cuff way, talked about marriage. And then fornication. I didn't call them those things, but the whole thing is, Bible says thou shalt not fornicate. That means have sex outside of marriage. And so if I just stopped right there, you think, man, that's not fair. But then I gave you the answer. I said, get married. And so, in other words, if you're fornicating, get married, and you're not fornicating. Hey, man, the Bible then calls it blessed. Hey, man. And so, see, that that's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Somebody preaching the truth might feel bad for a minute and think, yeah, that's me, guilty. But then say, here's how you get unguilty. Change it like this, and that's what the Word of God says. Does that help you? Amen. And so, you need to follow men of God, women of God as they follow Christ. Jesus always showed them 
what to do. Had it ever agreed, let's do it wrong. But he didn't leave them there. He said, here's what you got to do. Turn this around. Amen. And so anyway, I want to look at the kind of praying today that God's looking for. How many want to do the kind of praying that God wants? The kind that Jesus wants to get our country changed. I tell you what, till, till, till my dying breath, I'm planning on living a lot more years, till my dying breath, I'm going to do my best to pray like Jesus wants me to pray and to teach how he wants me to teach and lead how he wants me to lead. And so anyway, in this kind of praying, I'm going to look at, look at some things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And I want to tell you this, what I've learned a long time ago. You don't make doctrines off of one verse or one passage or one thing. But there's Bible principles, spiritual laws are like a thread. They're woven throughout the entire Bible. The whole Bible is connected. The whole Bible is connected from Genesis to Revelation by common threads that wove it all. That wove, is that the word? Wove. It's woven together. Woven together by a common thread. And the kind of prayer that God looks for is one of those threads that hooks the entire Bible together. And so uh, I'm going to read something that's not in your notes. You can turn to Second Chronicles 7, verse 13 and 14. But while you're going there, I was thinking about this this morning from Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it. If you want to look at it, you can. But I was thinking about the kind of prayer and the kind of praying that God answers. <clears throat> And I'm so grateful to know that God answers prayers where they're in agreement with the Word of God and agreement with the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. How many here know that you have the Holy Spirit in you because you're a born-again Christian? And the Holy Spirit is the one that put in the hearts of the men that wrote the Bible what to write. And so the Holy Spirit will always bear witness with your spirit. And sometimes He'll put you on a trail. You know, I think about, think about dogs, you know, back where I came from, people had hunting dogs and things, and you've probably seen shows where they got bloodhounds. Well, when a bloodhound gets a scent, it stays on that till it picks up on what it was, it's smelling to get after, and sometimes God will begin to initiate prayer amongst His people. And I know that recently I've talked to different pastors and preachers from around the country and some from around the world, and we're all starting to pray the same things because it's the same Holy Spirit. And so as we talk about things today, there's going to be things that God begins to put in our hearts that we'll be praying together. And sometimes we will pray together. But we'll be praying in our private prayer times. And they're going to be talking to other Christians. And they're going to say, you know what? My pastor preached that same thing today. And that's what we're doing. Somebody will say, you know what? We had a traveling minister come to our church. He used those same verses. And that's what we're doing. We're praying those things. You know why? God has always been smarter than the devil or any stupid human being. Hey, that's a good time to clap. Amen. God is smarter. And so in Luke chapter 11, talking about this prayer thread, verse 9 and this, verse 10, Jesus said, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. As shall be opened unto you. <clears throat> For every one that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And so Jesus is speaking of your personal prayer life here. But listen to this. Can you imagine if a majority of Christians in our nation were united with the Holy Spirit? Asking the same things. 
seeking the same things, knocking on that spiritual door. Wow, one to put a thousand to flight, two put ten thousand to flight. And if you get Christians that get hungry enough for a move of God, and we all start praying the same things, getting God's attention, that's how Israel got out of Egypt. They finally got tired of the Egyptians that made slaves out of them and their kids. They got tired out of being slaves and in bondage to Pharaoh. And it means soldiers, it means people, and never having anything. Working all day long, little food, little water, and Pharaoh got it all, they got nothing. All they got was the whip. Whether you know it or not, in America right now, through satanic bondage, through a lot of things, that's what's going on in America right now. A lot of people right now are getting the whip. And they're not crying out yet. Well, everything's okay. We're doing okay. Yeah, we're just, we're doing okay. Well, until you're not doing okay. But if you would have started getting serious now, you would have not got to that place where you're just really out of it. And so God wants us to ask, to seek, to knock as a body of Christ across the world. What always precedes the major move of God? The number one thing, prayer. He causes people to position their prayer first. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And this whole chapter is such a good chapter. God said, if I shut up heaven... That there be no rain. I wonder if California would be affected with more rain if California quit flipping God off. I don't need a nicer way to say it. <laughs> How could you, with all these millions of people, keep on doing everything you can to shut God out of society and out of life and expect the blessing of God? I want to read that again. God's the one that's got the spigot. God said, if I turn it off. You know, we, we preach the goodness of God. But I'll tell you what, judgment is just a part of God as the goodness is. So he said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land... Man, I'll tell you what, how many different types of ways has our agriculture everything been hit? Or if I send pestilence among my people, verse 14, do you think that a lot of bad, bad things happen to America in our generation? I remember the 1950s. It wasn't that bad at all. It wasn't anywhere close to this. But we're much more a, God, a godly society back then. So then God says here, the kind of prayer God's looking for, you know, I want to say that again. He said he always calls his people to position of prayer first, always. Then he tells us what he's looking for. If my people, he did not say, if all the other religions that believe there's another way to heaven other than Jesus Christ, he said my people. Well, the times we live in, my people would be Christian people. Amen. If my people, which are called by my name, well, Jesus is the Son of God. Bible says that Jesus was actually God of the flesh. And so Christians today are named after Christ. 
And so we're called by the name of Christ as Christians. So in other words, saying, if Christians shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I don't have time to read my Bible. But how many Bible, uh, or how many uh, game apps do you have on your phone? How many social media websites do you have on your phone? I I just don't have time to read my Bible. Well, how much time do you devote a day to all those other things that are corrupt in your mind, that are still in your faith? He said, if my people, and he didn't just say back then, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If my people in 21st century America that are called Christians, shall humble themselves and pray and seek what they can on the Internet about me. Seek what they can on the fake news. He says, seek whose face? His face. And then just keep on living in sin, no matter what their pastors teach. Just keep on stealing God's tithe. Just keep on putting, let, let, let leisure and fun. Oh, I just can't wait till Disney opens. I can't wait till all these places open so I can start spending my weekends there instead of in church. I'm getting bored with church. I'm ready to go back and spend $2,000 for, for a, what do they call them, a annual pass. So I, why? So I can spend the tithe down there and do all those kind of things. Where's this kind of preaching come from, man? It comes from heaven. God wants to get your attention. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the pleasures of life. Have a good vacations that the Lord taught me as a baby pastor. He said, always teach the people, don't ever take a spiritual vacation. You keep following Jesus. When you take the vacation, don't say, okay, it's summertime. I'm shutting church off. I'm done. Well, what if that's the time the big attack comes on your young one, on your physical health, and then you're you feel so much the way the devil works, he tempts you to do something. And then when you fall for it, he condemns you for doing it so you can't get back in. And so you you try, you try do things that you know you shouldn't do, and then you're embarrassed because you did them, and you're afraid to ask for prayer. You get out into some place where you're in no man's land, and your family's under attack, and you're thinking, well, I can't call the pastor. I can't call these Christians. Nobody likes me anymore. They're all mad at me. They all think I'm I'm low life because I haven't been to church for two months. That's not the way it works at all. Jesus isn't that way, and we're not that way, but the devil is. And if he can sucker you to get out and start worshiping the God of pleasure over Jesus, he'll destroy you. Amen. He says, my people shall turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. He said, forgive their sin. You know, the world has one sin, the sin of rejecting Jesus. Christians, if they do wrong things after the Christians, they have flesh sins. They have sins that they do. But God said, when you turn from your wicked way, then I forgive your sin. He says, then I hear from heaven and I heal their land. And what's that mean? Well, look at, look at uh, Proverbs 
chapter 28. And there's so much of this verse I look at, but I want to focus on that, turn their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear from heaven. Proverbs 28, verse 9, in the New Living Translation says this. God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. That's the word of God. It says he detests the prayers of a person that hears the Bible, hears the Bible, hears the Bible, but they never do what the Bible says. That's why he said, then I'll hear from heaven. Because God says, as long as you, long as you're a bad like a sheep, but living like a pig, I can't hear you. Man, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? Why else would God say, then I'll hear? He said, when you turn from your wicked ways, then I hear you. You know, I, th- I think about, I think about that old religious saying, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, if you're somebody that doesn't know God, then it may be mysterious to you. But Jesus told us in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 12, or Luke chapter 8, Matthew 12, and Mark 4, he said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He said, to them on the outside, it's all a mystery. But when you're on the inside, it's not a mystery anymore. And he told us in those three parables how the Word of God works. He said it's a seed. It gets in the soul of your heart. And then it grows and brings faith. And faith brings fruit. It's not a mystery to me at all. I lay hands on the sick. I anoint and follow the name of the Lord. Pray the prayer of faith. It's not a mystery to me at all why they see again. Why they walk again. Why I get the testimony back with the doctor. The doctor said it's not there. It's not a mystery to me at all. For a tither to come and tell me something supernatural that God gave in their life. I just think about a man this morning sitting back there. Showed me a picture this past week. He got rear-ended by a big truck. Totally demolished that car. It looks like an accordion. Came out without a scratch. I know that man serves God. He's a tither. But I'm very sure somebody said, man, that's really a mystery. I don't understand that. I understand it totally. I've lived my whole Christian life that way. Those are not mysteries. And so I know that it's not a mystery to me that when Christians quit sinning, prayers get answered. God says he detests the prayers of those who won't obey what he says to do. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I'm talking about the kind of prayer that God hears so he can change a nation. And I want to say it again. Can you imagine if a majority of Christians in the United States of America made the decision of their hearts and with their actions what my pastor teaches from the Bible, how to live, I'm going to change. I'll start living that way. Can you imagine what it would be like if a Christian had this attitude? If I can't say this in front of my church congregation, then I can't say it in private. If I can't watch this show with my pastor and his family, I can't watch this show. If I can't go in this place with with the leaders of my church, 
I can't go in this place when they're not looking. Jesus Christ is, is the same yesterday and forever. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are fully committed to him, that are loyal to him. What would happen if Christians said, I'm going to start living what the Bible says to do? Well, God says right here, he detests the prayers of those that hear it but don't do it. And then he says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, he says, when they turn from their wicked ways, then I hear their prayers. Does God really mean what he says? I want to say that again. How many people in America are crying out right now if they're not living for God, but they're crying out and it's not working? God said there's a condition. said, my people, you know, forget the world people. They don't know any better. I used to be in the world, and what I was, I could care less about what Christians told me or what God said because I wasn't living for him. Once I gave my heart to him, I wasn't their people, I was his people. Then things changed and become accountable. Write down James 1.22. Write it down. It goes with this verse right here. In James 1.22, he said, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. And so God blesses doers, not hearers only, Believers that hear and know but don't do, they live a life of spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. In the book of Acts, there are some believers that saw the disciples and apostles casting out demons. And then it says there were seven sons of a priest named Sceva. And they come to a man that was demon-possessed and seven grown men said, Satan, come out of him in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons spoke to these seven guys, and they said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And it says that those seven guys got beat up by one little guy because it was the demons in him. How many of us, how many of us, have tried to do, if we wasn't living right, have tried to do what believers that follow Jesus do and we got no results. You know what that's called? It's called self-deception. You think I can drink what I want to drink, smoke what I want to smoke, have the kind of sex I want to have outside of marriage, do what I want to do, and then think when the crisis comes, in the name of Jesus, Satan, and they beat you up. They say, well, I use the name of Jesus. Can you live that way? Do the things you do? It says, what's your, the Colossians chapter 3 says, whatsoever you do of word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Can you have that kind of sex in the name of Jesus? Can you drink those things in the name of Jesus? Can you smoke those things in the name of Jesus? If you can't do those things in the name of Jesus, in life the word of God, knowing that the Bible's working, you shouldn't do it. Because if you do, James 1.22 says, you're in self-deception thinking, I'm a Christian, but you're not living like a Christian. Well, say, you might say, well, I'm living like the Christians I like to listen to on the, on the Internet. Well, if they're not teaching the Bible, living like the Bible, quit listening to those guys. They're deceiving you. Oh, 
Praise the Lord. Amen. So he says that he'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I want to say it again. Unless you're blind, deaf, and dumb, you know America needs healing. We don't need different politicians. We need healing from God. And we receive spiritual healing from God this nation, then we'll get different kinds of politicians. Amen. We'll get men and women that love God again. For God to heal the heart and soul of America, it'll take more than praying. I want to say it again. According to this verse, it'll take more than praying. And I'm talking about me and you must start obeying what we read in the Bible. Because that's what he said, interpret their wicked ways. And so there's a lot of praying going on right now. Now there be, needs to be some love in the Word of God and do what the Word of God says. Amen. And so the God, golden rule would be a good place to start in obedience. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Because <clears throat> he says that people that don't obey his word said he detests their praying. And I, you know, when the Lord gave me this Luke 6, 31, I thought about so many things in our country we could apply this to. Luke 6.31, Jesus said, And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. We call this the golden rule, but Jesus is the one that gave it to us. And actually, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says the same thing, but a little bit different. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, with the golden rule, he says that when you did this, you fulfilled the law, the commandments. So when you live by the golden rule, you're also obeying the Ten Commandments. Think about this. Think about this. This it, Years and years and years ago, I saw what had happened. I called them the 1-800-SUE lawyers. It used to be on the phone books when we had phone books. Back in Indiana, I came to California. It's the same thing. They have a picture, a full-page picture on a phone book of a lawyer. It says, call me 1-800-SUE. I'll help you destroy everybody around you. Would you, like somebody, <clears throat> if you bump somebody's car and you knew that, man, then what do you think? There's a scratch on their fender and then you get a letter to come to court. says, man, you've broken my neck. You've ruined me for life. And you thought, man, that's a scratch on the bumper. You got out and didn't say anything. You just said you didn't even hurt. And now you're going to sue me? It's because they got, they got a letter from the 1-800-SUE lawyer said, we'll get you everything these people have. Would you like somebody to take all your retirement? You have to sell your house, sell all you had to get somebody that's trying to destroy you. Well, don't do it to them then. Man, as far as I'm concerned, the church might as well just say, I say no to 1-800-SUE lawyers. Whatever it is. When you're trying to destroy other people, you're not obeying the golden rule. You're not being a doer of the word of God. You see what I'm saying? That's a good place to start. Think about your neighbor's around you where you live. What do you want them to do to you? Well, you treat them like you want them to treat you. What about the people on your job? What about the people in your church? What I'm talking about is God said, my people turn from their wicked ways that I hear from heaven. America has a serious hate issue in it. Christians should not be sucked into that. We should start acting like Christians. Just because 
all the social media, everybody else says, this is how we're supposed to think about people of this color or policemen or this person or that person or that kind of church. What's the Bible say we're supposed to think about that policeman? What's the Bible say we're supposed to think about that race? What's the Bible say we're supposed to think about rich people or poor people? The Bible says God created the rich and the poor. And said they're all the same. They're going to die someday. Where are they going to go? So whether it's a poor person or a rich person, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to preach the gospel to the poor. We're supposed to preach the gospel to the rich. We're supposed to love them. But that spirit of hatred and division in America has absolutely consumed the church. Amen. God said, I I detest the prayers of those who don't obey my word. And then he says, when my people call by my name, turn from their wicked ways, then I'm hearing them, and then I'm going to heal their land. Body of Christ, get rid of the hatred. Start treating people how you want your kids treated. Start treating people how you want to be treated. Amen? And then you're obeying Jesus and the golden rule. And so when you live by golden rule, you're obeying the Ten Commandments. And you think about the Ten Commandments, all the things thou shalt not do. Well, if you live by the golden rule, you're not doing those things then. You're not going to covet your neighbor's things. You're not going to want the neighbor's wife or husband, etc., etc. And so anyway, I want to look at the New Testament equivalent of Second Chronicles 7.14, which is Acts 3.19. And this is where we end up uh, talking a little bit about this and we'll close it down. But how many are seeing some things today about God moving in our nation? Amen. You know, I learned a long time ago that we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. He wants us as a body of Christ to find out that the same blood of Jesus that worked a thousand years ago works today. The same Bible that was true before they had social media is still true today. The same Bible that was true before all these different modern ways to sin came into existence is still true today. The Bible still works to get you out of sin. The Bible still works to forgive your sin. The Bible still works to supply your needs. The Bible still works to give you favor with God. Because to have favor with man, you've got to favor with God first. You get favor with God by living for Him, right? Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and this, to me, this says the same thing as Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "Repent you therefore, and be converted." Well, he's talking to believers already. Then he's telling the believers to change, that your sins may be blotted out. And so, what he's saying, and you know, I like I like the repent and convert. Like Doctor Barclay said, the conference was just out. There's a difference between a hundred and eighty degree turn and a three hundred sixty turn. 180 degree turn means you're going this way and you turn around and go in the opposite direction now. You're running this way as hard as you could for the devil. Now you turn around and you're running this way for Jesus as hard as you can. Not just making a flip around and say, well, I said a prayer. And still go in the same direction. He says, repent and be, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now look at this. And here's where the move of God comes in. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing 
For the presence of the Lord is talking about revival. That's talking about a big move of God. That's talking about nations having a move of God. And we've had so many. But God said, when we repent in our thinking and our lifestyles as Christians and allow our lives to be converted to what God wants them to be, then times of revival is going to come when we get like that. And so look at verse 20 and 21. It says, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. And I like this. Now's the time to get excited when you see this. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Times of restitution of all things. And that word restitution there means restoration. God wants to restore America. God wants to restore things from when this nation was founded. Restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouths of all his holy prophets since the world begun. And of course we know he's talking about restitution in the earth but also in nations. And so he wants to take us back to how we were at the beginning, a Christian nation. We weren't a secular nation. We weren't of every religion nation except Christianity. We were a Christian nation. Amen. And so God wants to restore America. When the Hebrews left Egypt, they left free from Pharaoh and Egyptian bondage. They left free to worship and serve God. Do you remember the main thing Moses told Pharaoh every time? Let my people go so they can worship God. Let my people go so they can worship God. That's what God said to the Spirit right now. Christians, he's saying, get serious. I want you free to worship me in this nation. I want the Bible back in the schools. I want prayer back in schools. I want the Bible back in the government. I want prayer back in the government. I want churches start having Christian pastors, pastors that don't drink, pastors not in sexual perversion, pastors are not teaching people how to sin better, etc., etc. Restitution. They left healed. They left with the wealth of Egypt. What always precedes a major move of God? Praying God's way, living morally right, living how the Bible says to live, and so that is what precedes the major move of God. That's what we have for today. And I pray that you caught something off of that, that something got in your heart. And this week, just in your prayer time, start searching some things in your heart. And I know I just, one thing for me, I had one little social media thing I like to, I like to look at about the news things. A couple of weeks ago, I said, Lord, I said, I want to start going on a fast for my spiritual life. And, you know, all fasts aren't necessarily food fast. And so I said, Lord, what's the best thing I could fast? Well, I remember Dr. Barclay in his testimony said back when he was a young Christian Marine got saved, he was still addicted to alcohol. And so he got back where he cut back on it, but he's still drinking it. And this old woman in his church talked to him, and she said, Mark, said, so you're fasting food, fasting all this stuff here? said, but let me ask you this. Were you addicted to food? Was that your problem? He said, no. He said, what was your problem, Mark? He said, alcohol. He said, what's your problem now? He said, alcohol. Well, why don't you fast the alcohol then if that's your problem? So he said, yeah. So he fasted alcohol and he got delivered. And so I realized some of my time stealing was looking at a certain social thing on the thing about news. It was a new stuff. And I said, Lord, I said, I'm shutting that off. I mean, I pretty much had, I shut off Facebook and all that other stuff years ago. When I look at Facebook, it's not from an app. I just go on the long way and look at it and get off of it real quick. And other things, 
And so anyway, I shut this off. I said, Lord, I realize for a fast that what was taking up your time before, you got to fill with something else or it's not a real fast. So I said, Lord, every time that I would have looked at that on the Internet there, I'm just going to turn that a time and look at the Bible instead. And so I've filled up that little time slot with the Bible now to chase things around. So I'm just giving you a challenge this week. If there's anything the Lord leads you to do as you're seeking God, things get in your heart from what you heard today, start filling up some things with some more Bible time. Even if you don't have your Bible with you, have it on your phone. Write it on a piece of paper. You think, you're tempted, I'm going to go look at this. Just say, wait a minute. I'm going to look at my Bible instead. I'm going to quote some verses. And you start doing that, tell you what, this hunger, this spiritual hunger for a move of God will start growing in you. And you're going to see things going to tweak you. You know, you may not be a gross sinner, but Hebrews 12 says, lay aside those sins and the weights that hold you back. So little things that have kept you from being all you want to be for God, you'll see them fall by the wayside. And so if you haven't got that book yet, they're in the bookstore. Get that book. That's got a lot of things in it that we'll be talking about. They'll help you. But I want to say this. I, myself, have had it up to here to see my nation stolen. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. And if Jesus doesn't come back, they'll outlive me by a long time. I want them to have restitution. I want this nation to be back again for what I even saw back in my young life where sinners had morals. They didn't want to just go around hurting everybody, stealing everything. And we're Christians. You get around Christians again, you'll say, that's a holy grandma. That's a holy grandpa. That's a holy man of God. That's a holy woman of God. Your children have such great manners. Where'd they get those from? Well, they followed me as I follow Christ. That's where. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.